missed his chances. Oh, brilliant goal! A brilliant goal! Remember the name, Wayne Rooney. Pirlo, 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 ancora, Pirlo, di tacco, tiro, And we're back. Footy Fans Podcast, Andrew Santo and Joe coming at you once again. Another fun-filled weekend of footy. Uh, actually, our team had our first indoor game now. We did. Took, what, like one month off or, or so. Mm-hmm. I think Joe had two months off from, from injury. Mm-hmm. Yep. But had our first uh, indoor game. That went pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the Good. final score? Like 9 nothing. you said? 9 nothing's on the schedule, so. Jeez. Yeah. Nine. Did not see that coming. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Went uh went good. I think we probably just thought uh indoor was gonna go like outdoor went. Uh turns out we're actually good in indoor. Maybe we're just like a full indoor team then. So we're gonna we're gonna scrap outdoor altogether and enter some indoor competitive leagues which don't exist in the summer. Like <laughs> summer indoor. <laughs> no indoor leagues within probably like three hundred kilometers from here. <laughs> probably not, yeah. Um so yeah, the big highlight match of the weekend obviously was Man City Liverpool. We'll get to that one right away. Um I'm wearing my my Thor shirt today. Mm. Mm. Norse god, Howland. Okay. okay, he's my Norse god. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I think I think they're is it, is it Norwegian or Denmark or whatever it is, like North Norse mythology. Yep. Um. So yeah, my Norse god is is Howland. Yeah, this guy's an absolute animal. Um, I think back to back games though for his back to back games no goals. So far, because I think he played Champions League against Copenhagen, but he didn't score in that one. That game finished nil nil. Um, I, I think he was he was on the bench for Copenhagen. Oh, he didn't start. He didn't play that one. No, at all? Uh, no, he did not play. Oh, okay, uh, I just I looked at the score sheet. I saw nil nil. I'm like, okay, well, Holland obviously played, but just didn't score. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got a fact that check that one, Andrew, big dummy. But in this game for sure against Liverpool, he did not score. He did mm-hmm. not. Uh, the game was at Anfield. Going into this one, we were all probably heavily favoriting Man City, but. Once again, in a big game like this, you can never count out the big guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw earlier in the season, though, you know, Man U and Liverpool went toe to toe, and Man U came with the victors in that one. So, this is Liverpool's next kind of big test um, when it comes to the top five. And I mean, they showed up, and Klopp had them had them uh, had the boys ready. We knew going in is going to be a big test of like a tactical battle between Klopp and Pep. And for the most part, that's pretty much what it was. Mm-hmm. I don't want to call the go-ahead goal a fluke in any way because it still took a lot of skill from Salah to get away from Cancelo and make the finish. But still, it's kind of like a broken play when you think about it. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll dive into um, the actual goal itself uh, later on in a little bit. But initial reaction from the game, guys, what do you think about uh, Liverpool versus Man City? I think City was particularly poor. I mean, they played it okay. And I think from a lot of team standards, they played well but I think from their own standards I think they were really below the bar that they've set for this year I think De Bruyne was uh really not at his best I mean he kind of missed uh his his capacity to put in a pass this game 
Um, there were a few times that he set up Holland and he, he didn't even score. There were two particular chances that uh, he had headers. One went over the net and it was a little bit tougher. But uh, the one that he was kind of like a few yards away um, from the defender and just put it right at Allison, who was sitting on the goal line. Like, if you put that back post, I think it would have went in. Um, I think cities might be kicking themselves because they did have uh, good momentum uh, at spells in the game. They just couldn't finish like they normally do. So, uh, obviously, they're going to be disappointed, but I think at the end of the day, um, it was a pretty even matchup, and Liverpool just happened to be the team that came out on top. Um, but, yeah, I want to hear Joe's two cents. Yeah, but before that, real quick, though, that Haaland chance that he had, though, too, like, it's a hard finish to have, like to make, yeah. like to head that back far post over the goalie, but yeah. we expect that out of him because of mm-hmm. what he's done so far this year. Yeah, like from any other striker in the league, it's like okay, that would have been like really tough to do to pull off, but we thought, oh, it's Haaland. Like, yeah, like clearly that's like a fifty-fifty chance for him, where for someone else it's like a twenty-eighty chance. Yeah, like he maybe should have converted that one, but still, like going forward, that's a tough, tough finish to have. What do you think, Joe? It was a weird game. I thought neither team had a lot of spells of possession. To be honest, uh, it just felt like City they were always trying to get set and like put their stamp on the game. But I think Liverpool just played particularly well this game. And I think they didn't allow city to play their game, which I think what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. So it was really kind of a stalemate and really just the goal came down to a mistake, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I was expecting city to win, but I don't think Pep's going to be particularly upset. Um, you know, I think his team did play well. It's not like they got totally outdone by by Liverpool. Um, it was just a little bit unlucky. You look at the possession stats. City had 64% possession. But the thing about City's possession this game, it wasn't a lot of threatening possession, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So that was a little bit tough. It was just a really strange game for me to watch. It was just not... It's It was atypical of Liverpool this season and really atypical of City this season, so I was not expecting it. It For me, it felt like a, like a, a cup final game. Yeah. Like, both teams were really on edge. It was really back and forth. Uh, it almost felt like no team ever really settled into it. It was just like, you know, gung-ho, going at it, and uh, just a team came out with the goal. And that style of play really heavily favors Liverpool too. Yeah, yeah. Like, like way more them than City because City, you would think they would have the front foot. They would be the ones attacking, always putting pressure on. Where we see Liverpool, they do like you know their their um their high pressure and they mm-hmm. make teams make mistakes. Their goal, we'll get to that now. It did come off a mistake from Cancelo. We can go back even further to the actual free kick from De Bruyne. Uncharismatic from him. Mm-hmm. Again, we just like we talked about Holland being clinical finisher always and like expecting to score. We expect De Bruyne to play a ball like to someone's head almost every single time. Mm-hmm. But he plays a free kick from the wide right. Uh, Allison just leaps out of nowhere and just collects it. Quick, uh, quick kick up the field to to Salah one on one with Cancelo. He just turns him inside out basically and gets a breakaway mm-hmm. from half mm-hmm. and yeah. buries it on Anderson. Yeah, it was uh, not the best defending from Cancelo. I mean, I don't know why you try and go for the ball like he did and just like reach out with one leg, put yourself off balance. Yeah, you would be more aggressive than that, right? Um, yeah. You you don't really got to play the ball, just like hold Salah up. He's not going to beat you one-on-one. Yeah. You know, from half and like everyone else on your team is running back. Um, so yeah, just slaps in judgment on his part, which is a little uncharacteristic, but 
uh, yeah, like Joe said, I think you know City's going to bounce back from this one and keep uh, trending along. I think the article we saw before this, how where it said we can't count out Liverpool. That's a joke. Um, yeah, I think f- for me, you can count out Liverpool in this title race. I was saying before, if they win out, if they win every single one of their games, they're going to finish with 100 points, which is, you know, if you lose a title with 100 points, it's still crazy. But um, City's finished with 100 points before in a season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Liverpool is not going to win out all the rest of their games. It's just not like a realistic mm-hmm. uh, thing that they're going to achieve. Uh, and with already four draws and two losses, I think their goals need to be set on making top four this season. And that's, uh, I think it for them. I was just going to ask that question to both of you. At what point in this season do you have to have like a reality check with your team and say, okay, we're not title contenders this year. We have to focus on something else. Because I think like looking at mm-hmm. the top four, top five right now, Arsenal and city, they're clearly title contenders. Tottenham, maybe put them in the, in the mix as well. But then from that fourth to, you know, 10th or wherever we want to Liverpool at right now, Chelsea, United, Newcastle, Brighton, Liverpool. I don't mm-hmm. think they're fighting for the title this year. Like their no. mentality has to be, okay, we need to do the best that we can like for the remainder of the season because Chelsea being in 19th, uh, having 19 points, uh, eight off from the lead with one game at hand actually. So let's, let's give them the win, let's say. They're only five points back um, of Arsenal. But I just think this Chelsea team's not set to win uh, quite yet. Mm-hmm. Same with United. They're in a huge rebuilding stage. Um, they're sitting at 16 points with a game in hand. So let's just say we give them the win. They're sitting eight points back still from the top uh, top of the table. Maybe we're what, almost a third into the season. Or more than a third way into the season now. So, oh no, not yet, sorry. Almost almost a third into the season. Yeah. Math. <laughs> Math. Um, so I think at this point, we always kind of said the December break is kind of like the, the mm-hmm. tell-all tell all time. But with the World Cup happening this year, yeah, that's going to really you know cut teams short. Yeah, um, it's coming in November, so I think the reality check has to set in now, and this could be maybe a three-horse race for the rest of the season between Arsenal, Man City, and Tottenham. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's going to be t- particularly tough for Tottenham. Um, uh, but you know, they're they're still keeping up there. They're obviously tied with uh, City right now on points. Um, and f- for me, uh, the big games with Arsenal. Um, you know they all—they've obviously lost to to, to Man U already. Um, I, I really wish that City Arsenal game didn't get uh, postponed because yeah. I think that was going to be a real telltale of mm-hmm. how uh, they're going to do against uh, City, who's still title uh, favorites right now. Uh, yeah, for me, Arsenal and City are—it's going to be a two-horse race. I think Tottenham, you know, like we've seen in the past, are probably going to drop off uh, as we get into the later stages of the season. But yeah, I think like you said, Liverpool just need a reality check and they're just going to be from 4th to 10th, one of those teams that are just competing to get into European spots. And it's, yeah. sorry, go ahead, Joe. Well, I was going to say, usually, like you said, after the Christmas break, it's a good telltale where everyone's at because that's just a disaster of <laughs> of a schedule. Yeah. So really where you finish after that, typically, like I don't even know, you can probably look up the stats. Um, if you're not in the top four after Christmas break, it's probably very tough <laughs> to win the title. Um, we'll see what happens with the World Cup. That's going to be interesting because it's really uh, like a two-season season if you yeah. consider the World Cup. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see who it benefits, who it causes to stumble. The good news, I mean, it's kind of not great news for Haaland, but 
good news for City that Haaland's not going to be in the World Cup because I know um, I know particularly Pep's been sending his physios with him to international games because he was really injury prone at Dortmund. So the fact that he's going to have a month off to rest um, and probably be just really rejuvenated for the second half is really going to help City. So um, that's going to be a plus. So I think that's going to be make it more difficult for everyone else to really catch them. But mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. I have no idea what's going to happen because there's never been a scenario where <laughs> everyone has a month off. Well, not a month off. Some players have a month off. Some are playing in a really big tournament. Yeah. And then you got to come back. So we'll see. It's going to be tough, but... First blush, I don't think Liverpool is going to contend with the title. Um, I do think it's just going to be Arsenal and City. We'll see what happens with Tottenham. You never know with Conte and how this new team is going to shape up. So, Yeah, and in the case of Liverpool as well, it's they need a lot to go their way from the top of the table down as well. Like They can only do as much as they can themselves, but they need teams to drop points ahead of them too, even to climb back into the European places. Because if the likes of Tottenham and Chelsea, they just keep winning and be consistent. I mean, Liverpool's going to be six points behind those teams for the remainder of the season. Yeah. You know, if they, if they go toe-to-toe, like if they go win-for-win win or however you want to look at it per per weekend. Yeah. So, again, like that poor stretch of the season, we talked about it before in previous episodes, when you start off slow, it really yeah. hurts you. It's a long season. It's a long grind. It's like an eight-month season pretty much. But if you, go, if you don't come out firing from the beginning, you're shooting yourself in the foot mm-hmm. come December, come January, come February when it really gets tough. Because now, like Liverpool's already behind the eight ball, they're literally half of what they have half the amount of points Arsenal has at this point in the season. Again, they're one game behind, but Arsenal sitting in twenty seven, Liverpool twenty, uh, Liverpool thirteen. That's that's more than half. Yeah, like that's a long road to climb. Yeah, yeah. From now until you know May and June. Yeah, I mean we'll see. Coming off this city win, I think Liverpool have to string like two, three wins together. If they start dropping points, they're like what I think they play West Ham tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That game doesn't go well, um, or the next game they lose or draw, and it like stumbles their, you know, shot in the arm from beating City. I think that's gonna really <laughs> be a, a tale of things to come for their season. They they really just have to keep this momentum going because it's gonna be terrible for the morale. It's like, oh yeah, we like got it together and beat City, and then you like draw West Ham or lose your next game. I think. That's really gonna be tough for the morale around the team um, because you'd expect a result like this to really carry them for a little while. So we'll have to see if that's the case. Yeah, West Ham side too. That's kind of underachieving this year too compared to what they've done the last couple of seasons. Thirteenth um, place right now, David Moyes and his team with eleven points. I mean, thirteenth place, eleven points. It's only two back from from Liverpool right now. Like it's kind of it's, this is a really tight midfield battle. We always see this at the at this point of the season. That gap from you know sixth to 14th is five points yeah that's, that's a, two, that's, that's a, a two, Premier league for you that's a two <laughs> two win swing yeah um saldo touched on arsenal uh and man city not playing i think the game would have been tomorrow i believe i think today it was it been today then uh match was postponed um when the queen the queen passed away everyone if, if you don't know that news by now uh queen passed away about a month ago now a little over a month ago uh that threw the whole schedule into the mix and Arsenal had a Europa League match against PSV, I believe, that was postponed. And then it was rescheduled for October the 20th. And so that kind of conflicts right with this Man City match that was supposed to be played today, October the 18th. So now this game's going to be postponed to some other date. Another scheduling mix, another scheduling conflict in this season already full of scheduling conflicts. 
But that game, yeah, like Santo touched on, like that would have been beautiful to watch. A midweek game, Arsenal-Man City. Unfortunate it doesn't get played, but Arsenal coming off a win against Leeds on the weekend. A little unconvincing, I think, too, from the highlights that we saw. Yeah, uh, We just watched the highlight pack before, before the podcast here. Leeds seem to dominate that match. I don't know about the possession stats or anything, but from chances created, Leeds seem to have the upper hand for the majority of the game. It just kind of came down to um, Sokka scoring a beautiful goal, a uh, short side finish against um, Melier. But, I mean, Arsenal, they're just finding ways to win. We, just, we touched on it before, how they just never caught that. Then they can never get over the hump of finding ways to win, or there's always some adversity with Arsenal. Mm-hmm. But this year in particular, they're finding ways to win, whether it be a midfielder scoring and a defender scoring last minute with Gabriel scoring a couple times, I think, late in the games. Um, obviously, Gabriel Jesus being there too has been a huge uh, help for them in, in their goal scoring uh, department. But again, finding a way to win against Leeds or well, like a midfield battle team, midfield towards the end of the, uh, end of the table there. Um, they're just finding ways to get it done away too. You know, a scrappy away win. That's basically what you'd need to have at this point in the season. Yeah, and and that's always been the thing where, in the past, Arsenal weren't uh, winning. Yeah, these exactly. Games. Yeah, and uh, the fact that they're finding these ways to win because you're always going to have these games whenever you play in a in a season. Um, so good for them for uh for getting the win. Um, but yeah, I think f- for me, Arsenal's like the real deal this season. Uh, it's weird to say that it is with confidence really weird, weird to say that, but uh, it's uh, didn't come with a little bit of controversy. Um, originally, when I saw the whole Gabriel incident, I thought for sure this is just gonna be like a blunder, but I think it was probably handled correctly. Uh, for everyone that didn't watch, uh, Ball went into uh, Ramsdale, uh, and you know, just the classic thing where. The forward's still running at him uh, because he's just playing with the ball at his feet. Gabriel's the defender there, just kind of like impedes his his path to get to uh, the goalie. Um, and Bramford just kind of doesn't bull- full he out. Him. He bullied him. Yeah, doesn't full out push him, but kind of like just runs into his back. Um, Gabriel falls over. Uh, legs were kind of just like in the air. I think it was kind of apparent that Gabriel was kind of just like putting his legs out to hit Bramford. Um, but the leg that Gabriel was putting out to maybe hit him, Bramford didn't run into. And then <laughs> Bramford went down from a little bit of contact from Gabriel's other leg. So mm. originally, yeah, you might have a different opinion, it just, but I don't know. It looked bad. It, it, looked it, bad. it was, it was like a disaster. Um, they, both Gabriel and Bramford weren't doing themselves any favors about what they were doing. No. Um, I think at the end of the day, you know, Gabriel got the right card originally because Linesman said that uh, he just full out booted Bramford. But I think at the end of the day, it was probably what the most justified decision was. Um, Bramford did push him in the back. Gabriel didn't really make contact with him when he went down. And, you know, we just like let the play go on to have some crazy thing like PK and a red card happen from something so silly, I think is not great. The fact that it was overturned and like it was a red card in a PK at first is kind of not great. But like Joe said, the ref couldn't have seen what actually happened yeah. from there. I don't know why defender. <laughs> I see it so much. They get pushed over and they just leave their leg to like hit you with VR. You know, it's going to get called. I think, like you said, the fact that Bramford goes down 
but he didn't actually get kicked by his left uh, Gabriel's left yeah. leg that he put up to kick him with. I think that's what got it overturned, which he's lucky because if Brantford ran into that leg and went down, then it probably would have been a PK and a red card. Mm. It was very... <laughs> I don't know why the whole thing was sketchy. I don't know why Ramsdale was like letting it go, and then I don't know why Gabriel has to step in front. Like you know, your keeper's right there with the ball. Yeah, this is the, so I don't know. From the get go, the whole thing could have been easily avoided or not even happened. Yeah, but it did. And my my only thing is that again, another it was another VAR quote unquote controversy. But I want to I want to find out if these referees get audited or linesmen like for making these calls. Well, I. Go ahead. I want to. I want to say a point about. I. I think they do because of yeah, one they, incident that I remember last just, year. Yeah, I'm saying they must just because for the amount of times that they do go to VAR per weekend, you're going to VAR because the referee made a mistake mm-hmm. or miss missed something or whatever the case is. However you want to, however, however you want to describe it. Like, are we going to VAR too much? Like too many times? And I think I meant I made this this uh, this argument before that the referees have VAR in their back pocket. So it's like they might be a little less um, confident to make a call because they do know that VAR is like looking over their heads in, in case they make a mistake. So they don't make it in the in the heat of the moment because mm-hmm. they, they know that VAR is going to cover for them, which I don't think is a proper way to be refereeing the game. I think it should just be initial instinct. You make your call. But I'm wondering if we go to VAR too much. And I know it's brought in because we want to get the game perfect, which is which is impossible can't do that the game can never be perfect even with VAR overlooking everything but I just think the amount of times that we go to VAR every single weekend it shows that the referees are missing something mm-hmm. either lack of confidence or I don't know just like there's, there's a reason why referees aren't players mm-hmm. because yeah. they don't they it's there's a difference between playing in the game in the heat of being a player and heat of being a referee and decisions that go you know either left or right it comes down to a referee in the moment and they're scared to make that choice. Right. And yeah, I mean, the, I think it's kind of like a two edged sword. The fact that you have VAR that they can rely on so that in the event when they let things go, they actually see how it unfolds and then they can make the decisions from there. I think in one sense that does help um, because you're making sure that like, you know, for example, the continue issue with city, um, where they didn't let it go, um, and it turns out he wasn't actually um, offside. Offside, and yeah. then, but you know, you can't really say that would have been a goal because uh, he went and turned. Mars is closing. We saw the ref go to blow his whistle, stop doing it. Ederson kind of made like a half, a half effort to try and save it. Nice finish, though. Yeah, and that's the thing. <laughs> we we missed like something that could have been a goal, like a really good goal, just because they didn't let the play go on when they should have. So. I think it's one of those things where I don't know why there's some linesmen that are not letting play go on when they've been told they should. And I think that's kind of the main issue where, you know, there's really obvious calls that we've seen go on. It's like, you know, you're a professional ref. You can make the really obvious calls. Like a four foot offside. Right. Clearly you're offside. Yeah. But it plays on for 10 seconds. And and then you have calls like this, which they're they're evidently close. And then they're making the call. So I think consistency in letting close things go while making like a clear thing not go on, I think is what probably needs to happen more to uh, appease people. But back to my question, are we going to VAR too many times? Like, is, is there is it 
is it an issue that we go to VAR so many times per weekend in all matches combined? Let's just say over a weekend of matches, there's 10 games. They go to VAR at least six, seven times. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think that's probably up to everyone's personal preference. How much can they tolerate refs going to VAR versus not? Um, like, like I'm not I'm not saying it's like an inconvenience to the, to, like, to the spectator or anything. I'm just saying like in general, like there should be like an over under for VAR. Like yeah, like the, like the refereeing committee, uh, Pogmol, whatever it's called. Yeah, they should be like, okay, guys, like if we're getting more than I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna say X because I don't know the number. But if we're getting more than X amount of VAR trips per weekend, yeah, then we have to do like an internal investigation or something. Yeah, because like it's just. How are you missing so many calls, or how are you making so many mistakes that you yeah. have to go to VAR all the time? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. They probably should. I think that should be a uh, uh, one of the uh, KPIs <laughs> for refereeing standards. You know, how many calls do you miss? Uh, you know, if you're, yeah, I mean, if you're going to VAR, if you're a ref and you go to VAR three times at a game, and it's, I mean, sometimes it's tough to see. I mean. Granted, with the Gabrielle um, incident, it's very tough to see whether he actually kicked him or not. But for um, for instances, I mean, go back to the what we talked about a few weeks ago when we talked about Mendy kind of getting kicked. Oh yeah, um, the oh, ref wow. the ref was in a pretty decent spot to see that, so it's kind of strange that he overturned that. Um, so yeah, I think I know uh, we read. I think Howard Webb is coming to head bar. Yes, yeah. So we'll see what kind of changes he makes to it. Uh, I do think it has to be there for stuff that the referee probably missed and not for stuff that uh, to re-referee games. I think that's what a lot of people keep saying. It's like, oh, like uh, they're calling the ref to uh, go see something, even though he probably had a pretty good view, but he's trying to look to see if he missed anything. And he's like, Oh, did I get it right? I don't, I'm not sure. Cause it's true. Like what you said, it's way different when you're looking at it at game speed. Um, when you're looking at it in a silo, it's, it, it's a lot different than, mm-hmm. you know, in actual at game time. So yeah, we'll have to see to answer your question. I'm not sure, but classic on the fence answer. <laughs> like both of you guys always on the fence with my questions <laughs> but no yeah i think the the fact that there's so many they're trying to use var to just limit um the things that get missed i think it was probably inevitable that you're going to run into these big gray areas uh and it's something that hopefully howard webb can can fix uh i'm just checking because i think he i think he starts his whole uh, referee oversight in England at the start of 2023. Um, next year or next season? No, like this like this year. I okay. think he has to finish up the, uh, the MLS um, the MLS uh, season, but I... Well, that's done, think- in, that's done in December. That's done in December. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm pretty sure he starts his uh his stint with the Premier League refereeing after that in the new year. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully he'll come come in and clean it up because we know that he's a uh, no nonsense guy, and he's probably seen from the outset too. And also like living in in America for as long as he has, mm-hmm. like obviously I feel like the American fan base is pretty outspoken and passionate about things, and there's a huge Premier League fan base also in America. So. 
um, he's probably gotten a whole bunch of shtick from people saying like, like what's like what's wrong with VAR? Like why is VAR doing all this and that and everything? So he'll he'll have an understanding with it um, coming in. He won't be new to it, obviously. But yeah, I just think again, I, I'll I'll keep saying it until until I'm blue in the face. I think VAR is. I think it's a good thing for the sport in doses, but I just think when you rely on VAR to make corrections for you, knowing that if you do make a mistake, they're going to be there, it's not a way. With, you can't referee the, the game that way. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you can't referee scared. And just to, just to add to about refereeing, uh, I saw a little thing come up about this guy. Um, so... Pierre Luigi Colina. Uh, Col- Colina. Uh, I still remember this guy. Scares the shit out um, of me. Yeah. Uh, when he would ref, just uh, he was the guy that refed all the big games uh, when they would go on. And it was really funny what uh, what was said about how this guy had VAR just in his eyes. Um, <laughs> I don't know what referees do now. I mean, they could do this, but they would talk about how uh, whenever he was going to ref a game, he would watch uh, games of the players uh, he was going to ref uh, to see how each of them play and what their style of play was and what their tendencies were so he could understand the players. Smart. And uh, he was just like a really well-respected ref. And, um, you know, looking back, it would be interesting to see how many things he did miss. Um, Cause you know, as a ref, you'll, you always miss things. Um, and, things don't get blown up like they do now where every time a ref misses something they like you just go on twitter and find out everything because mm-hmm. social media wasn't around when this guy was around so no one could take to twitter wars about everything he missed but uh it was just it's kind of like he was the breed of ref you know how we talk about the breed of players like del piero Zaghi, yeah. skulls all those guys he's like the breed of ref that was from that era when it was just a really different game looking back at it now like totally different uh i just i'm really curious to see i, I probably want to hear his comments on what he thinks of the game now um because I, I haven't really heard him say anything i'm sure he got has a lot of opinions does he have a current position right now like in, in italy does he do something uh i don't know i feel like i should have uh i feel like he was in charge of like, the referee association in Syria, whatever whatever it's called right I'm not um, sure what he currently does, but he's got to be involved somehow. Like he's too good of a referee to not be involved or to have like his footsteps, you know, somewhere on there. Uh, so he's the head of the referees, uh, Federation of Ukraine, football Federation of Ukraine. So the referees there. Um, interesting. And yes, yeah, so that's uh, where he's hanging out. Um, he was, invo- he's hanging out. <laughs> he was involved in the introduction of uh, the video assistant referee system for the 2018 World Cup, which is funny because it was like massively successful in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he pointed out its effectiveness at that tournament. But I, I think in the World Cup, it was successful because it wasn't under a microscope as it is now because like we just see it every single weekend. Yeah. We're and so, it's in the Premier League, right? Yeah. League, yeah. <laughs> well, and I think because the Premier League, well, cuz in the World Cup, like you said, the World Cup, it was fantastic. And I think that was the pilot and it's like, "Oh, this worked super well, so we're going to deploy it everywhere." I think in the EPL, the first year they rolled it out, they wanted to do it differently, so they didn't even have pitch side monitors. Um the first year in the EPL, which is very strange. 
Uh, so I think I'd, I'm not sure of all the logistics. I don't think they deployed it the same way it was deployed at the World Cup. And I think since then it got under a lot of scrutiny, and now it's just like spiraled kind of out of control a yeah, little bit. It's just overkill now. I think. Yeah, it's they too need, much. They need to pay Pierre Luigi. Yeah, Colina. Pierre Luigi's got to go to the EPL. Just call him up, Howard Webb. Just give him a call. Uh, That'd be a dynamic duo, Howard Webb and Colina. Holy you shit! Imagine these guys just like <laughs> sitting there. Back Two intimidating room. guys, man. <laughs> Got the guns on Webb and the eyeballs on Colina, man. It would Terrified. be. Can you imagine being refed by by this guy in like one of our games? No. Can you imagine him, like, no no arguments at all with yeah, this guy? Yeah, Andrew, Andrew would lose his temper for a second and would never speak to him again. He would just look at you with those <laughs> he'd eyes. He would probably give me a yell in the first minute and I would just stop. He'd be like, he'd be like come here. <laughs> come here Andrew would be like oh no <laughs> I'll just I'll just walk away and that's probably why I get yellow card yeah um <laughs> that's funny oh, I was gonna say something else I forget now damn Kalina got in the mix yeah he just stared into his eyes and threw <laughs> yeah, you off yeah, that's it that's all it takes I did I lost my my train of thought now um oh no I was gonna say remember the, remember in um uh, uh European games either Champions League or Europa League the linesman on the touchline with a little stick? Oh, yeah. yeah. What do those guys do? Like, are they out of a job now or what? <laughs> Get goal on technology. Lose your job to technology. <laughs> Literally had, like, it wasn't even a flag. It was like a baton. Yeah, it was and a stick. And they just point towards the net. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys are funny. I don't know. I mean, they're they're probably linesmen and you just go into rotation. Like, oh, you're doing goal today. But, I mean, that's the one thing that they should have implemented a long time ago. Like, it's super. Goal line tech? Yeah, super yeah. easy. Zero. <laughs> like <laughs> how many how many times have we seen already this season where there were like a goal line issue and you don't really hear the players like complain and the, the ref just knows. Right? Yeah. Like it's like millimeters and it's like no, exactly. you get the thing and then everyone goes back and looks. It's like, oh no, it wasn't in or yeah, it was in. It's like yeah, it's you can't as black and white. Can't really, it's it's the most black and white thing. It's not not like offside where it's like, oh, when was the ball kicked? Like even offside now, I'm glad they have the thicker lines. Like, I think that accounts for um, all the issues there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still a little bit, but yeah, the, I, the Frank I Lampard. I remember watching this game. So I, we're looking at uh, the the issue that basically sparked goal line technology. Um, it's in the World Cup, uh, England against Germany. Frank Lampard took a shot from whatever it was, like 35, 40 yards, yeah. four, 40 yards away. Uh, chipped, chipped the goalie. I forget who was in net. Was uh, oh no, it's Neuer. 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 Was it? A younger Neuer. Yeah. Neuer's been around forever. Neuer. He was like a captain at fourteen. Yeah, this is twenty ten. <laughs> <laughs> Not fourteen. This is twenty ten World Cup. Yeah. Um. So yeah, chipped the goalie, hit the crossbar, bounced down, and it was like three feet in the net. Everyone saw it. Um. Frank Lampard was obviously losing it. Uh. Bounced back up, hit the crossbar, came out. Uh. No goal was given. I mean, you know, the linesman was all the way up the field. Ref. He, it's impossible for the ref to be in a position to actually know if it went in because the ref mm-hmm. is at half. Um, and it's just one of those things where at the time we didn't have any technology and you just miss a goal. And then the... Uh, That's so crazy though. Yeah, the FIFA president at the time issued an apology to England saying they were robbed. And then goal line technology. Here but, we go. But like even... It's the World Cup. Like you would think in 2010, like we put a man on the moon in 1969. Yeah, like, and we can't we can't figure out if a if a ball went in the net by three feet, you know, fifty years later. That's why they forty years pl- later. I mean, they should have done it a while ago because you had you had Hawkeye technology from tennis for yeah for a while. Yeah, 
Um, so like it's very like, similar tech. Right? Yeah, it should have been. I think they wanted to keep technology out of soccer or football, whatever you want to call it, as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that was a good like. No, we should do this. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Was it, they implemented it and it was just it was fine. It, yeah, black and white balls in or it's not in. I think the only issue was last season with Villa and Leeds. Remember, I think Refresh me. Of where I forget was it Leeds? Maybe it was I. Don't, I don't even know. Um, where the goalie caught it and fell into the side yeah, mesh, yeah, but yeah. I think it messed up because the ball stayed against the post the whole time. But it was clearly in. But it was in, like the ball was in the net and it was pushed against the backside of the post. Um, and I think Hawkeye came out with apology. Like, yeah, it's like a one in a million chance that it would have like messed up in this scenario. But why can't they go to VAR for that? They should have. <laughs> this is why VAR is just weird, <laughs> like- Yeah, it's like VAR could have been like, oh, no, I think, yeah, I know it doesn't say it's in, but like it's it's clearly in, but I don't know, maybe... It's not in their scope. Maybe That's what I mean. They, they, there's zero, rules, right? zero scope creep when it comes to <laughs> soccer. Yeah. Also, there's yeah, there's different stipulations to when VAR can and cannot get involved in things where it's like clearly this happened, but it's not in the rules for VAR to get involved in that. It's like right, but you're getting involved in like this part of the game, but you can't get involved in this part of the game when like this clearly is a mistake that could have cost yep. a goal or something. Like your whole, the whole point of it is to make decisions on the field that allow or disallow goals. And like this, you know, whatever example A happened, but oh, it's not in the rule book where they can get VAR to check that out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's just so goofy. Yeah, I agree. They need like room in there for uh, for discretion of like if you see something that is like a clear and obvious thing that needs to be overturned, like you have permission to do that. Because yeah. In the event that Hawkeye just doesn't work and you're a human being and you can see that the ball's in the net, you should be able to see and say, <laughs> exactly. like, the ball's in the net. I'm, I can see with my two eyes that the ball is fully over the net and Hawkeye is missing this, so it should be a goal. Yeah, it's, I don't, it's so strange. Yeah. Um, it's just funny because the ball's like in the side mesh, but it's just like up against the back of the post. <laughs> yeah, again, like it's clearly in. <laughs> clearly a goal. You probably uh, Google it. Was it Villa and Leeds? Is that I forget. Villa disallowed goal. Hawkeye. I mean, yeah, like if you're VAR, um, maybe go to images. It's gonna, the continue thing's going to come up. Oh, yeah. This, yeah, that one. If you go back. Right there. Third, third against, picture yeah. against Sheffield. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's clearly in. Like. The ball's in the side mesh. <laughs> yeah, so Sheffield United was denied. Yeah. Against okay. Villa. Oh, this is without fans. So this is early last year. Yeah. Or end of two years ago. Yeah. I mean, I think it probably got messed up because it's against the backside of the post. But you can clearly see it. if the ball's in the side mesh like that, it's uh, it's in. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's what I mean. But this was last season, so VAR should be like looking at especially this overhead view. Yeah. If everyone's if you go to Villa disallowed goal on Google, and just look at the images of the keeper in the side. Look at mesh. the gap. Yeah. Look at the gap. Like VAR should be like 
Okay, I know we're using goal line technology, but I think it's wrong because it's clearly in the mid. Well, that should be a thing. Okay, well... Yeah, go to the, the one right below because that one's more clear. What? Yeah. <laughs> it's like VAR clearly... Oh, sorry, sorry, goal line technology clearly does not work, so you go to the next best thing. You, have your, you literally have an outlet that allows you to take a second look at plays during the game. Yeah. Oh, it says this. I think go to this link. Why did Bar not intervene when Villa goalkeeper fumbled the ball over the line? Oh, God damn it. <laughs> we're, gonna all go- we're all going to read this article together as one big happy podcast. Confusion. Family. Confusion reigned at Villa Park when Aston <laughs> Villa. Like a, sounds like an opening title of like a Star Wars Confusion. movie. Confusion. Confusion. Uh, Joe, okay. read it off. So this is just explaining what actually happened. So if you scroll down. Even... Why Bar didn't get involved? Uh-huh. Hawkeye Innovations apologized to Sheffield after the match, which ended goalless, claiming all seven cameras were obstructed when they... Okay. Tough. <laughs> this clar- all, all seven cameras were obstructed. <laughs> this, clar- this clarification led to the professional game match officials Pog limited PGMOL, the group that officiates all Premier League matches, to explain that VAR was not consulted because the match officials did not receive a signal. What does that mean? Well, who's ever running bar didn't uh, intervene. I mean, who's ever running bar probably didn't tell the ref to go look at it because they probably assumed that if the if the watch didn't go off, it must have not gone in. It was Mike Dean. Um, How do you Mike? The bar is able to check goal situations, however, due to the fact that the on-field match balls did not receive a signal. Yeah, and the unique nature of that, the bar did not intervene. Yeah, and Sheffield Twitter account just responds with a really question mark. <laughs> we don't which is a fair like what else you gonna say like oh all, it's it's one of those really bad situations where every single camera gets obstructed the ref doesn't get uh obviously indication that it, it went in so the ref has to assume it didn't yeah bar is looking at it probably didn't even think about looking at it because they're like oh the goal line technology would have said if it's in so it didn't even like bother <laughs> i if you're the var ref if anything's i don't see why I, I you know i don't know what happens in the back room of our it's it's you know. know probably like the most secure place in the world right now <laughs> um but it's goddamn pentagon yeah, yeah. Like, i no one's allowed in i i don't know why they wouldn't go and just like see what happened but again from their perspective it's like we have goal line technology it would have said if it went in so obviously it must not have so they're putting their trust in technology then like they're putting so it's so fucked up have we all but it's like they put the trust. In, they have seven match cameras on this game. Yeah, that clearly was not working properly. So they say, "Oh well, if the watch didn't go off, then clearly it didn't go in." Yeah. But it's like you have seven cameras that kind of got the clear picture, but like not really. Mm-hmm. But you can obviously look at the camera and see that it's in. But because the watch didn't work, we can't go look at it. Yeah. It's like, I mean, they're probably now they're saying like. Uh, Hey, just double check. Like if it's close, yeah. um, like the watch technology failed, but the VAR technology can show you that it went in. Yeah, yeah. No, what what Joe said. Like they're they're definitely now. Like if there's a situation where it is close and the watch doesn't go off, just like double check to make sure. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure. I mean, there's no fans in, in this at this match. This is in 2020, but I'm sure if this was at Sheffield, I think the game was at Villa Park. But um, if the match was at Sheffield and there was fans in the stands, they're clearly putting the replay on the board. 
Oh yeah, and like, everyone's losing it. Clearly, hundred percent, and that's that's another frustrating thing because like, the referee can just look at the giant ass <laughs> screen. It's like, oh wow, that's like a foot in the net, but oh my watch didn't go off. Like, <laughs> like, what are you doing in that scenario? That, well, think I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking of the Lampard thing in in Germany. Oh yeah, that too. There's that was must have been on the replay. Oh yeah, like what were you like? Look at the giant screen over your head. Yeah, you have VAR just on the screen that everyone's looking at. Um, <laughs> it's it it has to be tough for the ref. Like, it's one of those things. At the time, 2010, you're the ref for that game. It's like yeah, really went in back then. Did they say like, hey, if you see your mistake on the big screen, like you can't change it? Oh, it has to be no way. for sure. Yeah, you can. There's no way. Yeah, they because then it it sets a precedent. Yeah, going forward, so they have to say you can't. Imagine they like they like have like a hacker and they change like the footage real quick on that replay that show it's actually went <laughs> yeah, in. I couldn't imagine. <laughs> the ref just looks like. Oh man, <laughs> that's like, he's like that's really far in the net. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah, it was VAR before VAR. Like, yeah. he, like in, in our league too. Like, how frustrated do we get when calls don't go don't go our way? But it's literally night. It's like the second the, the second it happens, like that's just we move Here's on. Here's a really strange right? thing because I when I I think I was watching, was it all or nothing? It might have been something like that where I heard I think I forget which ref it was the ref that retired last year. He went over to the linesman, Mike Dean. I don't, not Mike Dean, the other, uh, the other one. Maybe Lee Mason. He went over to the linesman and said, like, because there was some dispute about a PK, about, like, oh, did Vertonghen touch it? Or he's like, oh, I don't know if Vertonghen touched it. And he asked, he's like, oh, like, whoever, have you, did you see anything on the telly? And this was before VAR, I'm pretty sure. Oh. So he, th- I think they had people, like, looking, like, watching the game. This is pre VAR? I'm th- pretty sure it was pre VAR. Well, it was pre-VAR because it, it didn't go to VAR. <laughs> so, um, uh, well, even to that point, I I think we might have brought this up before, but uh, a ref in Australia, they mic'd him up for his last game, and uh, you know, he was like doing his thing on the field, and when whenever something would happen, like a potential foul or anything, you heard in his ear like people, like the I don't know what it were like the the fourth or fifth referee or whoever. There was multiple people saying like, oh, no, 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 type thing. Like, not there, not there. Whenever, like, a potential foul thing would come up. So, he had support of people, like, watching. But that's weird. Yeah. Because then, again, like, you're not alone. Like, you're not... Ah, Joe said it, said it straight up. It is tough to referee. It's tough. Yeah. Like, you're in a tough spot, clearly. But, like, I would hate that. Like, I would hate mm-hmm. having someone, like, second-guess my judgment. Like... Like at the on the instinct when it happens, yeah. you know what I mean. Like I want to be able to make a call based on what I think happened, not like the call happens. You kind of think about it, and like the freaking you know devil and the and the angel on your shoulder in your ear say, "Oh no, that that wasn't a foul. Oh, that was a foul." Like make up my mind. Like yeah. I want to make up my own decisions. Mm-hmm. Like I I just think they're getting too much influence from VAR in their decisions, and it's affecting the game because again, these referees are afraid to make the call on the field. Because they just know that VAR is going to either back them up or kill them. Yeah. Which, I mean, like you can't. It's a lose lose for the referee on the field. Yeah, it's, it's toughest job in the world. We've said it like a ton of times. Oh, I wouldn't want to do it. It gets annoying. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to playing. Yeah. Uh, but you know, for all the issues that come up, we got to give credit to all the things the refs do right because I. You know, we've, I, I remember seeing an article where it said, you know, refs get 99.9% of the decisions right. 
Um, but it's always the the few that they get uh, wrong that are always the big ones. <laughs> Should they them. get highlighted? Go, can you can you play that video? Yeah, <laughs> we're watching a uh, video here that Sheffield. Uh, I was probably not no. going to say. Yeah, Sky Sports Premier League can't get that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it wasn't working. <laughs> the Sheffield Twitter account is pretty funny. The response that they put really had 145,000 likes on it. I know there's not even 145,000 people that live in Sheffield. So clearly whoever like was following this Twitter page or was following the action going on in the Sheffield match. They support Sheffield in this case Yep. where this, this BS that VAR couldn't get involved and intervene and, and give the correct call. Yeah. Because again, it's, it's, an, it's the case where everyone who would have been in the stands would have seen it happen. Everyone, I mean, the players clearly in front of the net saw it happen. And then everybody that's watching the game clearly can see the balls in the net. But go to the next picture and, you know, Michael Oliver points to his watch. Says, oh, the watch didn't work. <laughs> points so, to the watch to indicate no goal. So clearly it's like, oh, there's no goal. The watch didn't go beep, beep. I can't make my own decisions. Yeah. I'm not my own person. I got to listen to my watch go beep, beep. I mean, in his defense, it was probably like tough to see. I get it, Joe, but it's just <laughs> it's just crap, man. It's crap. I mean, the, for, for for sure, VAR. Like, they for sure had the replay in the VAR thing. It's like, the watch didn't go off. But it's like... That's what I mean. It's in, it's in the net, though. That's my point. That's why with my technology thing, they're relying on technology for the watch to go beep, beep, but then they're, they're watching... They're, for the watch to go beep, beep. But then they're watching on monitors, on replays, and they have the ability to make the call, but they're saying the watch didn't go off, so like we can't make the call. The watch didn't go beep, beep. <laughs> so frustrating yeah because again it's just another case where like VAR comes in to do a job but then they can't even get the right job done because VAR doesn't have the jurisdiction to do it you know what I mean it's yeah. like it was it's like if you can it's like in, in mafia movies you can you commit a crime in, in New Jersey you just drive to New York and you know jurisdiction yeah oh Washington go beep deep beep beep VAR's out of jurisdiction can't make the call it's like what the hell yeah so stupid where were we? I, I do want to touch on uh, Chelsea Villa. Okay. Um, you know, because people are starting to talk. Even I've seen some Chelsea fans um, talk about how uh, they haven't seen performances like this for a while. Um, and Chelsea started to get results. Grand Potter is looking like he's having some positive influence. And uh, they're sitting fourth right now. 19 they're uh eight points off the top uh four wins in a row and they got brighton next on uh tomorrow so yep. what's uh being a Chelsea fan where where are you sitting right now with your feelings um obviously f- emotions are good on our camp um the biggest actually setback is reese james is going to be out for about four months uh, oh, four months. Yeah. I saw first thing I saw was eight weeks. Oh, sorry, you're right. Sorry, no. Um, Angola Conte is actually over four months. Oh, uh, Reese James, right. though, his recent injury picked up against Milan, I believe. Or yeah. Was it actually in the Villa game? Mm, Wolves game? It was recent. I forget which game it was. There's they played three games in a week. Um, it was during one of those matches. Uh, Reese James picked up an injury and he's gonna be sidelined for the remainder of the year. It looks like gonna miss out on the World Cup for England, which is a huge uh, setback for him and his development as a player, mm-hmm. and obviously for England going forward too. Because uh, I think Alexander-Arnold right now is coming back from injury as well, so he's not even 100% yet. Yeah. Um, 
So that's, that sucks, obviously. You know, he's been one of Chelsea's brightest players in the last couple of seasons. Even going back to under Lampard, making his debut for the team, uh, he's been you know one of the first guys on the sheet every every week. So that's gonna be um, that's gonna be tough uh, losing him. Mm-hmm. But just with yeah the 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 influence of Graham Potter with the side, um, he got appointed after the Dino Zagreb loss in Champions League September the sixth, and then his first official match was a Champions League match against Salzburg. On the 14th of September, where they drew that match. And then they've had a game against Crystal Palace, his first Premier League start as manager for Chelsea. They had a 2-1 win over Crystal Palace on October the 1st. And then from that point on, just been rolling. Um, 3-0 win against Milan uh, at the San Siro. Huge. 3-0 Three nothing win against <laughs> huge. <laughs> like think, you, like yeah, the Salzburg game was your first Champions League game. Well, it was your first game really as a coach. But then you actually have like some time under your belt, and then you go to Milan. Sorry, and, no, that was at the bridge. I'm sorry, I was at the bridge. Oh, it was. That was at bridge. Yeah. Yeah. I apologize. Um, but still, still a big win. The, the, well, yeah. There's that, but then you go to Milan again in your next Champions League tie, and yeah. you win two 0 so, yeah, it was 3-0 at home, sorry, against Milan in their first Champions League match against them. Come back uh, home against Wolves last weekend. 3-0 win again. And then, yes, at Milan, 2-0 win. And then 2-0 win at Villa Park against Aston Villa just this past weekend on Sunday. So, under Grand Potter, they've only given up two uh, two goals in one, two, three, four, five, six, six matches. And they put away two, three... Six, nine, eleven, thirteen. Thirteen goals for two against. Mm-hmm. Um in their six matches with Grand Potter at the helm. Right, Joe? Matt? Yeah. Yep. Checks out. So I mean, yeah, just from that standpoint, that's kind of what we did see from Tuchel, to be honest. Um very similar statistics because Tuchel was a defensive minded coach, but the only thing that they were, you know, saying against him was that they were lacking chance creation. Mm-hmm. And we did some research on our own and we saw some research from other, other pundits and other YouTube channels. And they're saying how Grand Potter also kind of lacked the creativity aspect for Chelsea, which was kind of sad and disheartening to hear. Um, Cause that is our biggest flaw. But since he has been there, he's gotten the best out of Mason Mount who, I mean, he's been Chelsea's player of the year last two seasons, back to back years. Um, like I said, Reese James has been, you know, firing all cylinders since he's been there. Uh, he's never really let off the pace or anything either, but he's getting a bombing to score too, mm-hmm. which is what Chelsea was failing to have happen. He hasn't played Kai Havertz as often as Tuchel did, um, being German and obviously like knowing Havertz as, as a younger player, <clears throat> he's playing him a lot. He's playing him in a lot of matches, kind of out of position in a false nine role, which I just don't think he's cut out for. And with getting a bombing, you do finally have a number nine. I mean, he's not the typical number nine like a Harry Kane would be or Lukaku like we've seen before in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. But Aubameyang's used to playing in England. He knows the physicality and he knows like what to do. He is older up there and age a little bit a little bit more now, but he can still just be in the right places at the right time. Right. And he's contributing and he's scoring. And kind of similar to what we touched on Arsenal having um, with their season where they're finding ways to score and finding ways to win, so is Chelsea. Right. They're getting contributions from Chilwell and James, and they're getting a bobbing to score. Mount scoring goals. Pulisic had a goal a couple uh, weeks ago. So they are chipping in, and they are, you know, um, starting to play better as a team. Going to Villa Park is not, not an easy task, as we know. 
And to come away there to nil victors, not allowing a goal, it's pretty huge. Um, going like we touched on with Milan, going back to back games against, you know, the Syria first place sitter right now mm-hmm. in in Milan, or if not first place in the top three in in Syria, the champions of last season, to go back to back games against them and come away with a five nil result on goal differential, yeah, that's that's huge. Yeah, um, yeah, Milan sitting uh, third. Uh, right now, um, Napoli sitting at 26, Atlanta at 24, mm-hmm. and Milan 23. So, yeah, uh, Milan very strong right now in Syria. Um, shout out to uh, to little Phil, yeah, or his uh, oh, he was pissed putting the shift, <laughs> but yeah, he uh, was probably not pumped about this Chelsea result, especially coming from you. Yeah, him and I were messaging during the games. I think he was working at the time, so he couldn't watch the live results when I was, so I was sending like little jabs and like coded messages during the games. <laughs> to kind of throw him off because he couldn't even check uh, the score or anything. So uh, when he got to his phone at the end of the match, I had like six or seven messages sent to him that were kind of coding what was happening during the game. And then he finally got to got to soak it all in later with the highlight package or rewatch the game, however he chose to do it. But he was not too happy mm-hmm. um, with Milan's performance. But again, it was Chelsea taking advantage of Milan. They were depleted side. I know the first game actually, uh, the game at Sanford Bridge, Milan were, mis- were missing tons of players. Yeah, like they had, I think, five starters that were actually uh, out of that game, and Teo Hernandez is actually a really good player for Milan right now. He's their captain at times. Um, he, he wears the band, and he actually went toe to toe against Reese James in the second leg of that match uh, at the San Siro, and that was competitive to watch. It was really good. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. saw any highlights of that or any, any part of that game, but both really similar players, and they're both really. Um, crucial and like going forward and defending for the teams like we know what we know what reese james does mm-hmm. like gets forward and like right. delivers free kicks and all that tear hernandez is basically the same player but for milan and they played the same side of the pitch so for them to go toe-to-toe was actually a joy to watch um james obviously coming away the victor in that game but i think that actually was the game that he got hurt in um picking up a leg injury of some sort yeah um i haven't dove too far into what the actual injury is i just know he's gonna miss the remainder of the 2022 year and hopefully he'll make a speedy recovery and come back for the beginning of next year in uh in january hopefully but yeah as far as chelsea i mean they got a game against brentford tomorrow like we kind of said before um another london derby match if you want to call it that but another, another london game but one of their bigger tests this season again will be this weekend against man united mm-hmm. uh it'll be at Stamford bridge which obviously will help out, but Saturday game at twelve thirty, the uh, the premier match of the weekend, if you want to, if you want to call it that. I I would think they'd be the favorite going into that one. Yeah, but uh, it's just yeah, it's still, they're still a strange team to me, to be honest. Like I know I've been following them forever, and like they're my they're my club, but I don't know because like I think Potter's done different things than what Tuchel has done, and it has seemed to work out but I don't think he's still putting forth his best side yet. Like I think there's players that he could have, there's players that he could be playing that he's not, or there's players that could be getting more action than they're not. I'm surprised that Kukurea hasn't played as much as he has Yeah, under Potter, especially because of obviously their connection with the Brighton, maybe with Reese James being out now, we'll see Kukurea in a more um, prominent role. Mm-hmm. I mean, 65 million pound price tag for a right back. <laughs> you probably should be playing a little bit more than what he is. Right. Um, so we'll see how that's going to happen. But what do you guys think? I know you guys are on the outside a little bit, but 
What's your opinions? Uh, um, so far, it's it's been good, uh, from my perspective, uh, and what Grand Potter is doing. I think he is just figuring it out and how to get the best from the players. Um, so really early, uh, in his tenure, but you know, this is obviously the start that he could hope for. Uh, I do want to see how things go when he starts uh, getting injuries and they start running into, you know, more more matches. And then you obviously have the break with the World Cup. I just want to see how he fares in the, the long haul with the team and how he manages a, a top side. Because with Brighton, he really didn't have to do that. Um, so... You know, it's it's one of those things where when you change manager, everyone's on a high. It's it's new. Uh, you have fresh energy. Uh, I want to see if it can stay consistent uh, as the season goes on. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, <laughs> November sixth, and then you got well EFL Cup, but still, um, yeah, we'll see how those games go. Uh, and then you got Chelsea on January second. Mm-hmm. That's a big break. November twelfth, and then December twenty sixth, next game. Jesus, man, there you go. That's what, what a World Cup will do. Uh, but yeah, we got to see how he does in the big games. That'll be the telltale because I know we said the same thing about Arsenal. Like, oh, uh, they're just beating what's in front of them, but they got to play someone big. They lost to Man U, but then they had a really good performance against Liverpool. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if Chelsea can do the same thing. Yeah, that's that's what I always thought too with Potter coming in. I'm like, he's never won anything. He's never competed in a high high caliber league to this extent. Obviously, he's been in the Premier League with Brighton for a couple years now and like kudos to him for keeping them in the position position that they were in and that they have been in. But he's never gone to Zagreb on, you know, in the middle of the winter or something. Right. You know, he's never gone to, to Salzburg in October. It, those are the games that it's going to add up. And those are the games that you're going to, you know, put under the microscope a little bit more than Brentford away, you know? Right. Um, how is he going to deal with, with those kind of matches and those kind of environments? And I mean, I think Chelsea took a risk with him. He was high on on their um, their shortlist, if you want to call it that. Right when Tuchel got sacked, he was up there. I mean, I I personally mm-hmm. was looking at the likes of Zidane or like Simeone or something coming in. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, this is gonna be crazy. But then I kept hearing like Grand Potter, Grand Potter, and then only a couple of days later, he was the one that got appointed. So they clearly had him, like I said, on the shortlist from an early stage. In the Tuchel uh, firing, which is kind of like weird to say, even even so, like they were like looking at his replacement before they even sacked him, which I guess you have to do that. Mm-hmm. Like you have to do your due diligence of like trying to figure out who you're gonna bring in before you sack the guy, I guess. But I mean, for a guy who, like I said, kind of under the radar with Brighton for as long as he was, like, does he fit for Chelsea? I don't know. He's a quiet guy. His demeanor is very. Um, Small, small demeanor. I don't know. He has got a very quiet demeanor, mm-hmm. uh, which we see with Chelsea, which is not what the normal uh, managerial characteristic is. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I'm used to the guys of like, like I said, Tuchel, Conte, Mourinho, like going nuts yeah. on the sideline. Um, but I, but again, this might be what Chelsea needs, right? Yeah, this could be a different, um, a whole different mentality that the team might adopt, adapt, and now well, it's working out so far. I can't. Yeah. I can't go. I can't come out and say like I'm pissed by the signing because I'm not. I can't come out and say that I'm super excited by the signing because I'm not sure what it means yet. I'm kind of right in the middle. I don't know what to expect of this team, but I kind of like that. Yeah, it's like I, I like having no. I like having low, low to none expect, like low to no expectations because either way, I can't be pissed. Yeah, 
it's kind of like the unknown it gives you like there's opportunities uh because there's a fresh start uh and you'd hope that it's just up uh from here with the changes um barring any disasters and the fact that he came in when he did too i think that kind of softened the blow or i kind of like ease my expectations i guess if you could say that because if he came in at the end of the season let's say or sorry at the beginning of the season like in july or something mm-hmm. then i expect more because he's had you have a whole off season of summer he could get signings you can kind of see what he wants to do for the team because right now still we don't know what his his expect he we don't know what his plan is yet right because he's just right. he's just dealing with the team that he has mm-hmm. right i mean even at brighton i don't know how many strings he really pulled to get the players that he has at Brighton um, over the years to build whatever culture, whatever team that he wants to have. But clearly, like I said before, they've had Premier League success to their standards of finishing top 12, top 10. That's huge for a side like Brighton. So obviously he did bring the players to get that job done, but now you're at Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Like, is he going to go out to, to Germany and find some young stud for 60 million pounds or is he going to go find some guy from Portugal, some guy from Brazil? Like, you know, he, I mean, he's used to getting guys like Trussard from, from Belgium, like a lower end kind of player making him work. Neil Mope from France, kind of lower end guy that's made his way through the, like through the system to get to Brighton. Right. But now it's like, you're going, you have to go find a superstar somewhere. Yeah. You have to go find someone who's going to be a complete game changer for the league, not for your team success, but for, you know, European success. Right. We'll have to see, wait and see like what he can do with that. Like I said, with him coming in when he did, he just has to do what he can with the team that he has. Yeah. Which, which clearly he's been making it work yeah. out so far too. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Man, you? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. here's what it is. They draw, drew. Draw against uh, draw, Newcastle. <laughs> coming off a draw win and a loss. Kind of sums up their season. I'm, I feel, I feel bad. they're so not on my radar. Like, yeah, I know that they're in fifth and like good for them, I guess. But they're just—they're not doing anything sexy. No, they're just very, very fifth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Even though they're three three points behind Chelsea, I do agree. They they are off the mark for European football mm-hmm. right now. I. uh I think they they got some work to do if they want to beat out Chelsea for that fourth spot, mm. uh, or even even Liverpool. You know, as I think Liverpool gets going, I don't see Man U as a better team than Liverpool. No, uh, in the slightest right now, uh, they are sitting three points ahead of them. With uh, with Liverpool have one more match to play, but yeah, I mean, t- we talked about it before. I think Ten Hag's do, doing a a decent job. Um, I still think. Uh, he needs a season or two to start building the team that he actually wants to build. Because uh, right now it's it's kind of like a mix of the team that they could potentially be in the future, and then just still carrying some baggage of who Manu has been in the last uh, four to five seasons. Yeah, and like their biggest win was clearly that game against Liverpool, like early oh, yeah. in the season. It was the second or third week of the season. Yeah, but other than that, like they've done nothing. Like you beat Southampton. Well, they beat Arsenal too. Oh, sorry, they did. You're right, they did. Yeah. But um, so those. Sorry, yeah. Actually, that's pretty. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. But like I forgot that's about that. that's classic Man U. I think last even yeah. under Solskjaer, he would like go and like draw City and then loot tie his next three games. Yeah. This two, is vintage United. Just 
two of their five wins in the season are against Arsenal and, and Liverpool. Their classic play to the level of the opponents. And then they get the smash against Man City 6-3. Yeah. Right? And then they, you know, lose against Brentford. They lose against Brighton at the beginning of the season, too. Like, it's just... I don't know. They got to play Tottenham tomorrow, so we'll see. <laughs> At Old Trafford. Yeah, that would be a good game for them. Maybe they just beat up on the good guys and they'd lose to all the shitty teams. I mean, if this Tottenham-Chelsea game don't go well, coming up, well, that'll be a tough, tough week. Yeah, and then again, like that'll kind of say, that'll kind of show like where they are in the standings because, yeah. um, like I said before, with, with Liverpool having a rough start to the season, this is still, you can call this the, the beginning stage of the season as well. So if, yeah, if you drop points to Tottenham and drop points to Chelsea back-to-back, those are the guys that you're chasing. Yeah. You know, you're not losing a game to, to Southampton and hopefully Chelsea loses a game to whoever they're playing that weekend as well. You're dropping points to the guys that you're looking at two spots ahead of you in the standings. Yeah. So like if you, if you don't come away with at least a point from those two games, um, yeah, not not good. Yeah, it'd be hard to come back to that. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's going to pass them. Liverpool is only three points back. Um, both have a game in hand, so yeah, I I, yeah, I don't the, the stat that we saw or that that whatever it was that post that we saw where it said Liverpool don't count them out. Yeah, I didn't even bother giving it a read. I could have said don't count them out for for Europe. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the title. I don't know. Yeah, but they're not they're not getting the title. <laughs> no, I I agree. Um, yeah. Um, if we're done with the EPL, I want to do a little surprise touch. Okay. Uh, shout out to Wrexham. Yeah. Wrexham uh, AFC. Yeah. Beating out Blith Spartans in FA Cup uh, fourth qualifying round today. Three two. They drew them. Three uh, two. Is three two today? They're up three 0 at one point. I was uh. I saw on uh, October fifteenth last uh, the weekend just passed. Uh, they tied one one, uh, disappointing obviously from their perspective, but came a one three two FA Cup fourth qualifying round, so it's huge for them. And they are sitting uh, second right now in the league table, uh, one point behind Notts County, uh, and they have a big game coming up uh, this weekend against Borum Wood, who's sitting third. So. Could this be the season? <laughs> Wrexham, Wrexham get promoted. Uh, shout out to Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney. McElhaney, yeah. the yeah, other Ryan, guy. Ryan's friend. <laughs> the other the guy. guy. Yeah, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds and the other guy. Uh, on uh, if they can get out of this league, uh, yeah, get that big promotion. Also, those two FA Cup matches broadcast on ESPN. Yeah, in, in America. Yeah. So it's massive. I saw a thing. It was. Um, a stat was I think eighty five thousand Americans tuned in for that first game on the fifteenth of uh, October, which is more than the like whatever they call it. There's like a, there's like a match I think at the end of the MLS season where like it decides like which team's gonna go to like the next round of the playoffs. It's like a, it's like a decider deadline game. It's called or something. Yeah. More fans in America tuned in for the Wrexham match than that MLS Cup like deciding <laughs> match day thing. Power of Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney. Seriously. <laughs> probably more so Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, if Rob ever hears this, he probably gets so much of that. Rob ever hears this. Rob, like, everyone's like, oh, it's because of Ryan Reynolds. I mean, I mean, he, but Rob's the one who initiated. He seems way more into it, though, too. 
He does see more. Uh, Maybe a little more, a little more time in his hands, but. I don't know. I mean, I, the episode where Ryan was uh, there for the FA Cup match, he was pretty, that pretty was pumped. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> then, like, Will Ferrell, Jason Sudeikis, all those guys were there. It was kind of yeah. funny. Um, just Side note. So, I, I saw this game was going on today, and I know that this, this game was only played, actually, because that first match on the 15th, they drew that match. It's normally not, like, a two-legged... Um, right. Uh, two-legged match whatever it is whatever you want to call it but they drew that match at Blythe yeah uh, last week so they had the replay Mm -hmm. at home at Wrexham so I knew that that game was on today I couldn't find my phone I wanted to bet on this game Uh oh because I'm like there's no way in hell like I I watched part of that game on the 15th against uh, against Blythe and even the commentators were saying because I think Blythe is one or two leagues below them yeah and they were saying like this is the best they've ever played. Like they're not playing up to like the caliber that they're that, of the league that they play in. They're playing way out of their like their element kind of thing. At home, obviously, one one game, one uh, one draw. Sorry, that game finished. So I knew I'm like coming back on the away leg at Wrexham. I'm like, there's no way in hell they're gonna win. So yeah. I wanted to put two bets on. I'm saying this now after the things. So of course, it sounds like I'm making it up, but I literally was gonna put Wrexham to win and Paul Mullen to score. Oh, okay. And both those things happened. But I couldn't find my phone. And the game started, and I couldn't do it until the game. Like, I can't. The odds are different once the game goes on. Yeah. But before the match was, was taking place, I wanted to make those two bets. And I uh, would have yeah. won it. Yeah. I know. Coming away with a, with a big win. Uh, so I, uh, I, I really want to see them get promoted and just see the reaction of Rob and Ryan Very cool. in the show, which got a green light for season two. Um, but yeah, I, I'm into Wrexham <laughs> and I think like a lot of people, mm-hmm. it's just getting so much attention and it's good to see the impacts having there at the actual town. Yeah. yeah. If you want to be a season ticket holder, I think it's only 300 like pounds for a whole season. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, we can get some season tickets, go and watch a game there. I'm so down. <laughs> you guys want to go to Wales? Yes. Go to Wales. I mean, I hope they get promoted. Um, cause yeah, I didn't realize the National League was so brutal to get out of one automatic promotion and a playoff. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. hopefully, because like, like um, I watched the last episode where Ryan said, um, I guess I didn't even know this, but League Two, uh, that's when you can start signing international players. So they they can't sign any international players. So it's not like they can find a stud from Uruguay, like he said, mm. and sign them to Wrexham until they get to League Two. Um, which is the next league, right? Yeah, which is the the it's the lowest professional league. So like the top like EPL championship and then League One, League Two are like professional soccer leagues, and then the uh, the one below that they're in is technically semi pro. So yeah, they get promoted. They'll they can sign international players, and then four teams get promoted from well three get automatic promotion, and the other ones going to playoff, which That's is huge. Eh? Yeah, I mean, I guess it is true. The national league is the hardest one to get out of. So yeah. So big for the players too, like to become a professional footballer, like in your next season if you get promotion. Yeah, I wonder how much their wages would change too. Probably a lot. I mean, now like I in the show it showed like there was five or six or seven guys just living in that house. Yeah, like it's, it's yeah, kind of yeah. like college because all, all the younger kids. Yeah, it's, it is what it is. You're just kind of a semi-pro soccer player, right? Um, but no, I imagine when you go to League Two, you actually get decent TV rights. Well, not. Compared to the EPL, but like at least you probably get some. <laughs> maybe and, on like the BT Sports or Sky, like one of the Sky channels or something. Yeah. Or maybe not every single match. You might have to get a like subscription or something if you want to watch 
your team play, however they do it in England. Yeah. But yeah, for sure. They'll definitely get more national coverage than what they'd be getting now. Yeah. So. Very cool, though. Mm Mm-hmm. We should make like a all for nothing on our team on Polonia. All or nothing Polonia. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> playing this year. Yeah. Fine. Maybe I'll just I'll document it or I'll uh I'll vlog it or something. You'll film it. Drop your comments if you're a videographer and want to do all or nothing Polonia for free. For free. For free. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll pay you in Tisky and Polish sausage. Oh, I'm so down for that too. I'll just do it for that myself. A lot of extra editing, but I'll do it. Or if you want, if you're a uh, film student, at University of Windsor, you want extra credit or something. Yep. Every yeah. Sunday, come to our indoor games. Yep. That'd be hilarious. Um, so like I said, in the week ahead, uh, there's clearly midweek matches coming up. Again, the stinker of not having Arsenal Man City this week kind of sucks, but that'll get replayed at some point, hopefully before the World Cup. Actually, that'd be kind of a nice yeah send off um, before the big tournament happens. But Liverpool West Ham play tomorrow at two thirty. Or today, if you're listening to this, and Chelsea and Brentford, Newcastle, Everton, Man U and Tottenham is the late game on Wednesday at three fifteen. Fulham, Aston Villa, and Leicester and Leeds take matches on Thursday. Leicester still bottom the table. I don't know how the hell they're going to climb out of that. No, they need. Yeah, that's uh, that's right in the depths of the Leicester right now. may go down. Tough. Again, <laughs> yeah. I mean, fifteen goals for that puts them, you know, twelfth ish on goals for, but twenty four against does not defend. help. Gotta defend. I mean, it looks like having the uh, Cashmere Michael leaving is more of a negative impact than we thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I agree. They uh, goalie stinks. The new one. Yeah, I mean, it's the uh, obviously the team has to take responsibility for all the goals Word. against. But for me, I mean, I think I said Southampton, Nottingham, and Leeds going down this year. Um, I Southampton, Nottingham, Forest right now in the bottom three with Leicester. Uh, did not expect Leicester to be here, but right now Nobody it's looking did. it's looking like them going down. Obviously, still early in the season, but they have no sign of turning around. The fact that Rogers saw the job is crazy. I was gonna ask. I didn't. I'm not keeping up with it. He's still there. Yeah. I, you're one, two, and seven. Tough. <laughs> Word of the day. Word of the it day. It is though. Tough. Like I, I don't get it. Like he's their their first win only came like two, I think two weeks ago against Nottingham Forest. That was their first win. You got it. What is happening? October third was their first win. What, what, they finished what eighth last year? Uh, top ten ish, yeah. But you go two months without a win, and you're Leicester again. Leicester's not Man City, mm-hmm. but still, you have a coach with the caliber of Brendan Rodgers, who and you have good like your team. Their team's decent. They're good. Decent like, they team. Good you players, didn't. Cha- right? It's not like you went and signed a ton of players and splashed cast yeah. and you got like a new. A lot of new personalities. Like the team's relatively it, the same. It clearly, though, is their their lack of defense right now. Yeah. Again, right. I think the cash for Michael, him leaving to go to Nice. Nice. Good call, Jake. Thank you. Uh, him going there, obviously, big for the team. You're, he's your captain. He's been there forever. He's like him and Vardy, the only two players that were there from that historic run where they won the title in 2016, 15. Fact check that. <laughs> um, so him leaving is is massive, and he's a he's your last line of defense clearly. So he's obviously more 
of he's more than just a goalkeeper for your team. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a man amongst boys, really. And so him leaving is, is is huge for them. And then yeah, their back line they haven't really solidified. You know that back four. Um, Chelsea getting Fofana from them clearly that depletes them a little bit too. But then you look at the other side of the pitch, and you got Vardy still. Yeah. Um, Gray is a great player. Madison. Madison. Uh, Barnes. Tealmans. Yeah. Like you got quality. You have, a, you have good. You have a good team. You got quality, and like I said, like we have fifteen goals for, but twenty four against. Yeah. Hurts, and that's clearly where they're they're losing the um, the spots on the table for this season. Like I said, you go two months without getting a win, and yeah, you more times than not you're gone as as a yeah. manager. If you've already been there before, if this is your first year, if you're if you're the legs of Nottingham Forest, then sure, maybe it's it's you stick with the stick with the manager because he got you there. But Rogers has been there for two, three seasons now. Yeah, and that's why it's so surprising because like there was no signs of danger last year really that I could tell. I think like you said, the cash for Michael him leaving was huge. They just they just really have to win their next two games against Leeds and Wolves. I mean, those are the two teams you're probably going to be scrapping against. Um, just win those two games. If you don't, you are just deep in a relegation battle. And and look who's around the corner. Hmm? It's in, and look at the game around the corner. Yeah, I mean, that's... Man, that so. you're... You can't... Just Leeds Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> Lead wolves. Literally at a loss for words. Like I don't, I don't know what that's what's gonna happen in that game. <laughs> um, but no, like Brendan Rodgers has to win the, these next two games. If he's if he loses these two games and he's still there, that would be super surprising because you're then you're really putting yourself in a hole against the two teams that you're probably gonna be fighting against for relegation. Um, I mean Leeds. We'll see how Leeds had a good start. They're kind of slipping a bit. We'll see if they creep back to the relegation zone, but. You can't lose those two games, because then, twelve games into the season, dead last, mm-hmm. you're slipping further behind the teams that you're trying to compete against to stay up. Not great. You got to get three points from those from those four games. Oh, those two games, three or four points. You need six. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be generous. You need, you really need six. I'm saying four would be satisfactory. Yeah, you can tie. You have to beat Wolves. You have to beat Wolves. That's a derby match too. Oh, is it? Yeah. No. Oh. Jeez, at Wolves, tough. Midland, the <laughs> West, West Midland Derby. <laughs> Lots, very tough. So what are you looking up right now? Uh, I was just looking up uh, just uh, Leicester back in the day when they won the league in 2015, 2016. Just got mesmerized by the usual, <laughs> usual starting lineup uh, because anyone who watched that season knows that Leicester came out with the same starting 11 for like 20 games. Uh, probably like 31 games out of the 38 <laughs> games. Like the same starting 11. You know, they had no I other think competitions. I, I think I can... Let's see. Schmeichel, Fuchs, um, uh, Wes Morgan, Huth. Um, then you have Simpson. Yep. Then you had Conte and Drinkwater in the middle. Mm-hmm. Then you had um, Mares on the right. And then you had what's his face, Albrighton, yep. on the left. Then you had Vardy, and the tiny Asian guy. What's his name? <laughs> <laughs> what was his name? <laughs> Ak- 
Akazawa? Akazaki. Akazaki. And then what's his face? The Uruguayan guy would always come on in like the 75th minute. Akazaki was a, he came on, like they switched sometimes. Like he was like more of like a late guy sub too. Yeah. But what's his face? Who was on the bench? Uh, Um, Ujoa. Ujoa. Yeah. He would always come on. Always come on. Yeah, exactly. I, I remember when he came, when they were tied and he came on and scored that. I was like, this team is legit. Yeah. Joe, that was a good pull. Yeah. That was really good. Yeah, that was... Uh... I could have got the back four. I would have forgot Simpson. I probably would have forgot Drinkwater and Conte, to be honest, too. Yeah. That was good. Good was... job. <laughs> this was the team that changed the uh, Premier League. <laughs> Just winning a league out of nowhere, which is like the hardest thing you could possibly do. Yeah. They won the Premier League with a guy named Danny Drinkwater as a <laughs> as center mid with Conte, who no one knew about. That's all I gotta say. Conte's journey is pretty cool. If you ever like, if you ever look back at his uh, previous teams that he played for, it was like Division Two France, Division Two France. I don't know, like Marseille or something, and then like Premier League. Yeah, he played for Boulogne, uh, 2013, 2012-2013. Uh, 2013 and 2015, he played for Kine. 2015, 2016, went to Leicester, won the EPL, and then went to Chelsea. Has been there ever since. 185 appearances. But those two teams, those two French teams, they're not even like league. Uh, I don't think. Uh, or when yeah, he they was are playing league, there, league two. Yeah, when he was playing there, they weren't even league. Uh. So like he makes the jump from two league, de league, league two teams. Everyone call it. Yeah, national to, to, to Leicester. Well, <laughs> like, yeah, non-pro Leicester win Chelsea. Yeah. Hanging out at Chelsea. A non-professional team in France, a League Two team in France, to win the title of Leicester, to now, like, the rich, the most expensive center midfielder in the world <laughs> when Chelsea signed him. Yeah. One year later from, from winning with Leicester in 2017. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. uh, international duty starts with France. He's yeah. our age. He's 31. 91. He seems well, older than that. Our age. Me and Joe's age. He seems yeah. older. Anyways, yeah, well, um, unfortunate for him, he's going to miss the World Cup too. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was injured a few weeks, well, a few months back, and then I don't even, I'm not sure if he's actually played yet the season for Chelsea, and then he re-aggravated it during rehab uh, just recently, and he's going to be out until the new year. Sucks. At least. Damn. Yeah. I mean, it helps Chelsea out with the, figuring out their midfield players where they're going to put guys. Mm. They don't have this <laughs> clusterfuck of players in the middle anymore. But no, I never want to see players get injured, especially at the caliber of Conte. And we haven't seen him play in a long time. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's your roundup roundup for the week. Um, again, games being played tomorrow and Thursday. And then the weekend comes. Um, and I'll be tuning in the Chelsea-Man U game, clearly. Uh, is that the biggest one? I would, I would think so. On the weekend? On the weekend. Uh, Chelsea menu, yeah, yeah. Tottenham and Newcastle will actually be a pretty good game to watch. Yeah, yeah. Newcastle's just one of those teams. It's going to be a tough team. I see goals in that one. Yeah, lots and lots of goals. Um, so yeah, if that's it, guys, are we uh, ready to wrap it up? I think yeah. We're good. All right, I want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening. As always, get our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um. Leave a review on there. You know, crank my. Whoa! Crank my volume on this thing. Holy crap! Scared the hell out of me. (laughs) (laughs) I put the volume so loud on my mic. Um, you know, yeah. Get us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Leave a five star. Um, 
review, not five star review, a five star rating. So. Yeah. Right, if you want to call it that. Uh, comments, questions, uh, anything. Get us on Twitter at Fuddy underscore fans. Fans is spelled P H A N S. We're also on Instagram. We upload pretty often on there. Um, all of our podcasts go on that. Um, everything you need to to see or hear about us is always on Instagram and Twitter. So, yeah, find us on there. All right. See you, everyone. Yeah. Ciao. Yep. <laughs>